That'll be one Order of the Phoenix with a side of teenage angst. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for feeling your feelings. The injustice of it all welled up inside him so that he wanted to yell with fury. If it hadn't been for him, nobody would even have known Voldemort was back. And his reward was to be stuck in Little Whinging for four solid weeks, completely cut off from the magical world, reduced to squatting among dying begonias so that he could hear about water-skiing budgerigars. How could Dumbledore have forgotten him so easily? I'm Heather Price, right? And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And... What up? We're back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Book. Happy New Season of The Quibbler. New Year, New Harry. Oh, New Year. Very, very, very feelingy, Harry. How are you feeling about being back? I feel great. It's very cold outside, so there's not really any outdoor activities we could be doing other than making lots of tea and coffee and recording podcasts so well those aren't outdoor activities and playing lots of mario kart yeah which is what you've been doing the last few days at least this week yeah it's freezing here in the great city of new york it is in fact the coldest day that i have ever had in the city by a long shot (laughs) so that sucks but here we are recording here we are coming back to our wonderful quibbler family with a new book We are reading Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which is a great one. Yeah, I love book five. Yeah. Not everyone does. I know. Hopefully, the way that we convinced some people to hate book four, (laughs) we will be able to convince a lot of you to love book five. Nobody should hate book four. We love them all, but. Harry Potter and the Counterintuitive Take. (laughs) Also, apologies for my slightly stuffed up sound i am recovering from a nasty cold so if i sound insane that's why i'm sorry need some pepper up potion i do desperately need some pepper up potion so this week we are reading the first two chapters of harry potter and the order of the phoenix which are called dudley demented and a peck of owls there will be cursing probably spoilers sort of for this in future Harry Potter books and past Harry Potter books. Spoilers, definitely. I know, but they're like not that much happens in this first two chapters. That's We're true. not spoiling it. Spoiler, the Dursleys are terrible. Oh yeah, exactly. And there will be some adult themes. This week's adult themes are local TV news, ghosting, crazy cat ladies, unopened mail, and the juvenile justice system. Alex, for the first time of 2018, what happened this week? In this week's chapters, Harry, Harry's having a hard time. Life never gets easy for Harry. He's basically become this wandering loon digging into garbage cans for old newspapers, but not to line bird cages or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, although I guess he would. He probably does line Hedwig's cage with the newspapers that he finds. Presumably. I don't know. He's digging through garbage bins for papers to find out if anything has happened with Lord Voldemort, who, by the way, has returned to corporeal form. The Dursleys basically have him on a media blackout, which would be, I don't know, these days we'd be like, all right, no social media? That's great. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, it would be like, super relaxing to, for us to but go for on Harry, a media diet. But for Harry, yeah, for Harry, it's really stressful because once again he feels cut off from the Wizarding world. His friends aren't really giving him any information. 
Ron and Hermione seem to be together, but they're not really saying what they're doing, just that he should sit tight, so Harry is uh, developing some uh, barely suppressed anger. So, as the book opens, he's hiding in a flower bed, trying to listen to the local television news, which is about a Spanish bag handler's strike. Leading Harry to surmise that, uh, showing very good media literacy, that if that's the lead story, there's, uh, nothing else, uh, crazy going on. The mainstream media, it seems, is not reporting on Voldemort coming back to power. So that's what happens on the first two pages of this 870-page book. All of a sudden, there's a crack, which disturbs the whole neighborhood. A cat runs out from underneath a car. Vernon immediately wants to know, oh, Harry like bangs his head on the window or something like that. I don't know. Harry gets a lot of head trauma in this chapter, which might <laughs> explain his erratic behavior later in the book. Huh? Hot take. Hot take. It actually is hot in Little Whinging, unlike New York City, so it was nice to read a summer chapter. The whole town, all of like the London area has been suffering from a drought, so the city has imposed very strict uh, water use. Uh, wow, you are rules. literally telling it line by line. <laughs> I don't, I'm getting back into this. I know. Sorry, guys. Yeah, Vernon gets super mad at Harry because he thinks he's caused the crack. Harry thinks that it sounds like someone apparating. Ah, Harry takes a walk to blow off some steam. That's basically all he's been doing all summer. So he's been getting his 10,000 steps a day. Uh, maybe there's a spell that could say whether he did or not, except he's not allowed to use magic, which becomes critical to these chapters. Uh, he runs into Dudley and his gang. Dudley has become a boxer. He's t taken up a sport, so now he's, like, strong fat, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, he's just, like, he's, so Dudley's, like, built now, and he's got this gang that terrorizes various ten-year-olds in the neighborhood, and vandalizes swing sets? Come on, guys. Yeah, rude. Harry catches up with Dudley after his, like, buddies have split, and they exchange some words. We get saucy Harry now. Harry, Harry uh, lands some good zingers on. What are some good ones? One good zinger that Harry has against Dudley is um, Dudley is talking about one of these ten-year-olds he beat up, and he says, he cheeked me, and Harry says, yeah, did he say that you look like a pig that's been taught to walk on its hind legs? Because that's not cheek, dud. That's just true. Hilarious. Ouch. Very, very good one from Harry. Anyway, go on. Dudley hits back, metaphorically, saying, you're not so brave in bed, are you, Harry? And Harry says, what are you talking about? And it turns out that Harry's been screaming in his sleep about the time Lord Voldemort tried to kill him in a graveyard. Understandable. Back, yeah, it happened back in June. You know, we're not that far removed from uh, that horrible chain of events. So this domestic squabble is broken up by the fact that all of the lights go out outside. The stars black out and everything gets super cold. Dudley starts freaking out. Harry's thinking, what the hell is going on? And then, ba, ba, ba. There's a motherfucking Dementor. Actually, ba 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 ba. There's several, no, two motherfucking Dementors in Little Whinging. Harry whips out his wand, casts a Patronus Chime to drive them away because there's no other choice, otherwise, they're gonna suck out his soul. The crazy old cat lady who lives next door, Mrs. Fig, runs up and is like, Don't put your wand away, boy. There might be more of them around. We learn that Mrs. Fig 
who used to babysit Harry as a kid. He used to hate going over there because he had to like, did he have to like look at pictures of her cats? And like eat bad fruitcake and shit. Yeah, I, anyway. So it turns out Mrs. Fig is a squib who keeps an eye on Harry for Dumbledore. So hashtag revelations. And Mundungus Fletcher, uh, the sort of con man we've been hearing about in Little Asides, was supposed to be watching Harry because Dumbledore's had Harry, uh, Harry tailed all summer, I guess, to keep it, you know, to make sure he's, like, not getting into too much trouble or protected because Lord Voldemort is uh, back. Anyway, they drag Dudley back to the house. The Dursleys freak out. A whole lot of mail starts arriving via various owls. The first letter says that Harry's been expelled from Hogwarts for breaking the statute of secrecy and the restriction, the reasonable restriction of underage. I don't, one of these like various wizarding statutes. I think he broke several. Of course, he had a prior offense from the whole Ford Anglia incident in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. No, his prior offense is from the pudding drop. Oh, you're right, the pudding drop. But that was Dobby. I know, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. They don't care. Fair enough. Yeah, so Harry had, you know, Harry had a record, so now he's going to get expelled. Then he gets another message from Arthur Weasley saying, don't go anywhere, don't leave the house. Don't surrender your wand to the ministry. Dumbledore's gonna, like, figure this all out. Then another letter comes from the ministry that says Harry has a disciplinary hearing. Anyway, during all of this, the Dursleys are interrogating Harry about what happened. They think it's his fault, obviously. Vernon threatens to throw Harry out of the house, but then a howler comes addressed to Petunia that says, Petunia, remember my last. And Petunia says, no, Vernon, the boy has to stay. Also, during this whole conversation, we learned that Petunia knows what Dementors are. She says, oh, they guard the wizard prison at Azkaban. How does she know? She says, that horrible boy was telling my sister about them. I overheard. Does she mean James? Or Or someone someone else? else? So, Harry gets to stay. Harry's like, Petunia, how do you know about Dementors? Are you in touch with wizards? She says, go to bed. Vernon says, go to bed. So, Harry has to go to bed his mind full of questions, as is the reader's. And that's what happened in this week's chapters. All right, so... We're back in it. Yeah, the we get thrown into the Dementor end of the pool. I What? I don't know. A lot happens in these two chapters. Yeah, what do you think about this as, like, a setting the stage kind of an opening? I think it's book? a great first chapter. Because in some ways we see that nothing has changed for Harry, and yet everything has. He's still back at the Dursleys. Things are terrible. His clothes are super shabby, and he's being forced to find all these workarounds for the fact that he's not getting any information from the Wizarding World, similar to Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, um, even down to the fact that there's this like shower of owls yeah, coming. Mm-hmm. We sort of had this repeat of the comic scene from Sorcerer's Stone where Vernon gets like super pissed at the owls. So a lot of the same images are repeated, but the stakes are way higher. Yeah. So I mean, we have fucking Dementors in Little Whinging. Dudley is still bad, but now he's like bordering on evil because... He's this boxer who's, like, pummeling 10-year-olds. Yeah. He's going to, like, a pretty bad place. 
Mrs. Fig is back, but now she has this connection to the magical world. The opening of the book has enough familiar tropes in it to, like, kind of settle us back into the Harry universe, but there's enough of a twist on each of them that you, we know that we're in for, like, a big adventure. So I, I just found it really satisfying. It's like book one, except, like, everything has been turned, like, dark. Right. And it's interesting and kind of, like, upsetting, but also telling that, like, all of this crazy shit has happened. Harry's life has, like, totally transformed, but ultimately, like, his summers are still just shit. <laughs> you know? He's just, like, you understand his, like, total rage at his situation because he's like jesus fucking christ this is like when i was 11 yeah i'm being forced to dig through garbage bins for newspapers like nothing has changed (laughs) about my life despite the fact that i like watched this like evil wizard come back and and everything has changed about my life but at the same time like why won't anybody write me a fucking letter it is a great metaphor in that way for the experience of becoming a teenager Right, because everything around you... Everything has changed and nothing has changed. You're still in your bedroom. You know, you have to do what your parents say. Right, and yet at the same time, you're like teeming with like newness. Yeah, and you feel this like empowerment that comes with like becoming an adult. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good point. So I want to talk about this like kind of trope that people talk about of like emo Harry. (laughs) Because that's a big reason of why a lot of people don't like Order of the Phoenix is because Harry has this like new kind of attitude and his like characterization has changed a fair amount. And I am a hardcore Harry fan in this book. I actually think emo Harry makes sense to me. It's like a really obvious development for his character considering A, he's a teenager and B, he has suffered like just innumerable traumas and like I really like that we've got some humor from him like he's got this really dark kind of wry twisted sense of humor now that I think like it's very like gallows humor that I really appreciate and I think makes a lot of sense for his character yeah you can see the absurdity in situations he super can he would be really annoying I think if he was more earnest yeah I, and also just, it wouldn't make any fucking sense if Harry was just like blithely like, oh, I trust everybody and they must have my best interests at heart. It's like, that's never been true for him. So I don't, I just can't imagine a different Harry characterization. Maybe what people don't like is it's less that they disagree with the characterization and more that they find it annoying. And that's like a matter of personal taste. Yeah, that's fair. I personally don't find it annoying. I find sassy Harry to be hilarious and like I enjoy him more I think because I find him to be more like relatable and more interesting and more like layered yeah I think maybe part of it is that people love the other characters so much that they hate when Harry is kind of being a dick to them yeah but I mean he's right in these chapters (laughs) like it's really fucked up that nobody will tell him what's going on like he's been abandoned he's not like having abandonment issues he's just been abandoned post-torture post-torture nobody i mean god this is we've harped on this for four fucking books but nobody has done 
anything to make sure Harry is okay. And therefore, Harry's not okay. And it's like, you can't fucking blame him for that. Yeah, you can't, like, uh, wand board a 15-year-old and then, like, send him to his terrible aunt and uncle's And then be like, why are you so grouchy? (laughs) It's like, you're lucky he's not, like, setting fires and shit. Like, we're lucky that he's not an actual all-the-way delinquent. He's just filching newspapers, yeah. I do think that it's unfair to blame Ron and Hermione for his abandonment. And I think he, like, he knows that somewhere in his heart, but they're, like, they're the people that he relies on most, and they're the people that he most trusts to, like, at least try to do right by him. So I get why he's mad at them, but it does bug me when he's just like, oh, mer, 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 Ron and Hermione of just, like, they won't tell me anything. It's like, yeah, they fucking can't. Like, they're not going to disobey Dumbledore. They're also the people closest to him, so... Yeah. It's like, they're within reach. So, but Harry just has all this anger, and nowhere to channel it and you just really feel for him I think rather than be annoyed by him I just have this like pretty deep like empathy for him because it just god it just it would suck to be Harry right now and then to expect him to be upbeat about it just seems insane to me so he has a good evil foil here in Mr. Dudley Dursley who has just gotten so much worse You just wait till I tell Dad you had that thing out. Running to Daddy now, are you? Is his ickle boxing champ frightened of nasty Harry's wand? Not this brave at night, are you? Sneered Dudley. This is night, Diddykins. That's what we call it when it goes all dark like this. I mean, when you're in bed, Dudley snarled. He has stopped walking. Harry stopped too, staring at his cousin. From the little he could see of Dudley's large face, he was wearing a strangely triumphant look. What do you mean, I'm not brave in bed, said Harry, completely nonplussed. What, am I supposed to be frightened of pillows or something? I heard you last night, said Dudley breathlessly, talking in your sleep, moaning. What do you mean, Harry said again, but there was a cold, plunging sensation in his stomach. He had revisited the graveyard last night in his dreams. Dudley gave a harsh bark of laughter, then adopted a high-pitched, whimpering voice. Don't kill Cedric! Don't kill Cedric! Who's Cedric? Your boyfriend? This is the most we have ever really gotten from Dudley so far in the series, because he's always sort of been at Vernon and Petunia's heels, like little salacious crumb to Jabba, like... (laughs) little Return of the Jedi reference there. <laughs> yeah, it is the most characterization he's ever gotten. And um, I don't know, what do you think of this like kind of new, strong, bully, like really like bad news bears Dudley? I think it's a logical place to take the character, especially given how he's being raised by Vernon and Petunia. It's not surprising that that would go toxic. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been toxic, but... Well... And their their level of permissiveness would, like, just naturally breed somebody who had, like, no limits and who thought that everything he did was right and therefore, like, developed a real cruel streak. Like, Vernon is proud that Dudley doesn't know shit. (laughs) Vernon is just like, I bet he doesn't even know who the prime minister is, like, little tyke. And it's just like, oh, that's so dark. Like, that level of ignorance and that, like, that's how we get Brexit, y'all. God <laughs> Well, damn it's also, it. it's this sort of, yeah, the proud ignorance of 
Vernon is kind of interesting because it's this... You have, like, so much self-regard that you're doing things right that you truly don't think that you need to learn anything else about the outside world. And, in fact, doing so is this, like, strange weakness. You know, it's like, I've earned everything I've got. I don't need to know anything. I don't need to, like, hear from anybody. I'm just, like, living the right life and, like, with the right people making the right choices. Yeah. And he's passed that on to Dudley, and it's just, like, curdled Dudley. It's interesting, though, that Dudley is popular, though. Well, I don't think he's popular. I think people are afraid of him. I mean, bullies tend to have lackeys. That's true. Like, they don't want to get beat up. And it's fun to, like, be the one cheering on the bully rather than be the one, like, receiving the bullying. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I don't think I would count him as popular. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Rowling is really interested in the dynamics around bullies. Because there's Draco, Dudley, and of course the ultimate bully is Voldemort. Yeah. And none of them are particularly nice to their... Subordinates. Subordinates. And none of them are, like, loved. They're feared. But they attract, like... Right, they attract a certain type of lackey. Dudley's relationship with Harry is really interesting in these chapters. There's that great scene where Harry is, like, really wanting to, like, have a confrontation with Dudley in front of his, like, little gang... Because he knows that Dudley is, like, genuinely afraid of him. And he wants to watch Dudley, like, struggle to kind of, like, justify why he can't just beat the shit out of Harry. I do think it's interesting to have that dynamic where Dudley can't just, like, totally physically dominate Harry. Because he has this, like, fear. Dudley's really cruel to Harry in this chapter, though, also. Why do you think Dudley hates Harry? Part of it is just learned. Conditioning, yeah. Why do you think so? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Dudley is the total center of attention. He gets everything he wants. And yet, there is a sliver of his parents' attention that just has to go toward, like, keeping Harry alive. And And he he, just can't stand that. And he can't just, like, expel it or, like, punch this kid away. You know? Like, I guess there is that rage there that he can't, like, get at at Harry. I also think there's, like, Harry's really special. Right, like, yeah, there's a Dudley jealousy. Dudley is really unspecial yeah, there's and, a... like, unimportant in, like, the grand scheme of things. Like, Dudley knows that Harry is part of this, like, crazy adventure story. Like, Dudley doesn't pay a ton of attention to what's going on with Harry, but certainly he's, like, dimly aware of Harry having this totally crazy, amazing, like, other life that he just, like, can never have access to. And he's just, like, not used to the feeling of, like, I don't get to have something. There's definitely... And he fucking can't do magic. Yeah, there's definitely that jealousy when he says, you feel like a big man with that thing, don't you? The wand. Yeah, and it's just like, he wants that thing so desperately. But it's also forbidden because his parents find it, like, repulsive. It's, like, the only Mm -hmm. thing forbidden to him. Yeah? Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's more complexity there, which I like in this book. Oh, yeah, I absolutely do, too. And I think it makes sense to have Dudley, like, play a more important role because Harry is relationships with his peers are now sort of superseding his relationships with his elders because that's what happens when you're a teenager. At the same time, this relationship is tragic because Dudley and Harry could be natural allies. Yeah, they They're could. both victims of Petunia and Vernon. Yeah. Well, and you can tell Dudley has like come to resent his parents. Yes. But he still won't align himself with Harry against them because he's too conditioned to hate Harry. Well, if they started sharing with Harry, it'd be less 
for Dudley if he gave up his, like, totally privileged position. You're right. They could provide some, like, company to each other. They both seem lonely. Yeah. And, yeah, poor Dudley. Dudley is just really a victim. You're right. He's just as much a victim of Vernon and um, Petunia's, like, abusive mindset as Harry, just, like, in the opposite direction. They've, yeah. like, fucked him up just as badly. Right. Well, Dudley's become Muggle Draco, basically. Yeah, and Draco isn't Draco in a vacuum. Right. Like, Draco has fucked up family dynamics, too, that are, like, making him act out. So we have this scene where Dudley gets attacked by the Dementors with Harry, and the question that Harry has in his head that I also have in my head is, like, what the fuck does Dudley see and hear with when the Dementors are present? I think Harry is genuinely flummoxed. And I think it would be hard growing up with Dudley to understand that he would have bad memories because Harry wonders to himself, how could Dudley, who's gotten everything he's ever wanted and has been totally pampered and spoiled, how could he have any bad memories? But of course, we all have yeah. like bad memories and fears. And I get that Harry doesn't like bother to stop and take a moment to have empathy for Dudley. But he sort of does. A little bit, I mean, he does bother to wonder. And he saves his life. Yeah. He's not like, oh, fuck this. I'm getting out of here. Like, (laughs) uh, happy feeding to mentors. I think clearly there's like darkness in Dudley's life for him to be becoming this kind of person. Uh, I mean, think about Vernon Dursley's your father. He must be terrified of Vernon. Like, Vernon has... He's prone toward explosive anger he is physically abusive of harry it's unclear if he's ever laid a hand on dudley probably not but i mean the threat of that is always there certainly dudley is under the weight of his father's expectations now he doesn't expect him to be like smart or whatever he doesn't care if he even knows the prime minister but you know vernon vernon wants him to be big and strong and dominate other boys uh, I'm sure he expects him to be wealthy and successful. Yeah. So that uh, is a lot. You know, and his mother is, uh, like, Dudley can't get, like, a scratch without his, like, mom, like, freaking out, which puts pressure on a kid to not hurt himself, probably, because I'm sure he loves his mom, and he doesn't want her to see her, like, disturbed. Yeah. I don't know, also what do you imagine think? that Dudley has probably been bullied pretty badly himself. Yeah, well, just being, being like, like a large kid. Being a fat kid in school and being like getting called like Dudley Diddykins and all this stuff. Like the kind of attention that he gets from his parents is exactly the kind of thing that you get bullied for. So, And that's probably why he became a boxer, right? Yeah, exactly. To be able to fight back. I So I imagine Dudley has experienced pretty bad bullying. He has also witnessed really disturbing abuse. And I think yes. like you can't discount the fact that even if Dudley like on the surface like really hates Harry... Like, that would warp you. Like, to watch somebody get abused the way Harry has been abused, like, that is probably part of Dudley's, like, darker psyche. Well, he might think, oh, that could be me. So I have to... I have to constantly be perfect. and Cultivate my parents. Like, perfectly live up to the kind of expectations my parents have. Otherwise, like, they might starve me. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. like that is a that's a live possibility for someone living in this household. Right. So, so I don't necessarily know that like he has like empathy or like sadness about Harry how Harry has been treated, but I definitely bet that there is like some part of him that's at least disturbed by like witnessing like just decade a decade or more of like really bad child abuse. And there is like evidence and like research about like that being the child in an abusive household that like isn't abused is still really really damaging and like you have like even if he doesn't know it you have like survivor's remorse and like all this shit that probably like plays into like his psyche so I think like Harry's abuse is probably like pretty damaging for Dudley like somewhere in there tough I know I mean it fucking sucks to live in that house just period right like those are just fucking terrible people nightmare people one of the reasons that Dudley and Harry are both so fucked up is Aunt Petunia, who we have really interesting glimpses of in this particular chapter. Tantalizing, I yeah. would say. It felt very strange to be standing here in Aunt Petunia's surgically clean kitchen, beside the top of the range fridge and the widescreen television, and talking calmly of Lord Voldemort to Uncle Vernon. The arrival of the Dementors in Little Whinging seemed to have caused a breach in the great invisible wall that divided the relentlessly non-magical world of Privet Drive and the world beyond. Harry's two lives had somehow become fused, and everything had been turned upside down. The Dursleys were asking for details about the magical world, and Mrs. Fig knew Albus Dumbledore. Dementors were soaring around Little Whinging, and he might never go back to Hogwarts. Harry's head throbbed more painfully. Back? whispered Aunt Petunia. She was looking at Harry as she had never looked at him before, and all of a sudden, for the very first time in his life, Harry fully appreciated that Aunt Petunia was his mother's sister. He could not have said why this hit him so very powerfully at this moment. All he knew was that he was not the only person in the room who had an inkling of what Lord Voldemort being back might mean. Aunt Petunia had never in her life looked at him like that before. Her large, pale eyes, so unlike her sister's, were not narrowed in dislike or anger. They were wide and fearful. The furious pretense that Aunt Petunia had maintained all Harry's life, that there was no magic and no world other than the world she inhabited with Uncle Vernon, seemed to have fallen away. Harry has this great realization where he's like, this is the first time I ever really thought about the fact that Petunia is my mother's sister. I love that line. Oh my god, it gives me chills. It's really evocative. It really, really is. And it begs this question of like, does Petunia love Harry? I don't think so. Did she love Lily? I do think so. Okay. And the fact that that love didn't translate to Lily's son is like, interesting in and of itself i think you're meant to understand that dudley is redeemable and petunia is past that point although she is living up to her obligations i to think petunia Dumbledore and harry i think she's at least somewhat redeemable you think so i think she, she doesn't really get redeemed no and dudley D dudley does get a measure of redemption right in the end spoiler alert she had a lot of rage at her sister I don't know how much we want to get into that yet. Uh, she had a lot of anger at her sister and betrayal because I think, yeah, they were close. And then, you know, she became part of this world. Right. That Petunia, Petunia was... Couldn't. Yeah, couldn't. Petunia and Snape actually 
have kind of a weird amount in common mm-hmm. where Lily is the like object of their affection and anything that comes out of like Lily's association with magic in Petunia's case or with James in Snape's case is like subject to their like great deep hatred like they hate Harry for kind of similar reasons mm-hmm. also Harry's a direct threat to Dudley yeah that's in this, true and the whole family like the world basically yeah. I mean the thing is like you do have some understanding in this chapter of, like, why Vernon and Petunia react the way they do. Because they're right. Like, Harry is leading the most evil and powerful wizard on Earth, like, to their fucking doorstep. Like, that's not great. Right, yeah. Dumbledore showed up one day with a baby and was like, please defend this from wizard Hitler in case he ever returns. Like, Yeah, and that's a crazy ask. And now we come back to just, like, Dumbledore making batshit decisions because like regardless of the fact that petunia and vernon are bad people that's a really really extreme thing to ask of anybody yeah although in sorcerer's stone we're to understand from mcgonagall watching the house all day that they're kind of bad to begin with no i know like vernon is just I guess like Like, that no they're shitbirds like this isn't (laughs) why they're bad but in in addition to them being bad, like, Dumbledore is asking them to do a really fucking unreasonable thing. <sighs> yeah. And when they're like, you should get out of the house because we don't want this guy coming to, like, that's kill us lo- all. That's logical. It's so yeah. logical. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. It, I mean, that's Except the thing that's if so... You love, you would do that for a family member. Yeah, That you loved. So that, to me... Well, Petunia says he should stay. But only because she has, like, made this, like, vow. Maybe because she sort of wants him to be safe. I mean, I think there's a part of Petunia that doesn't want Harry to die. Right. Because she flips out at the mention of Lord Voldemort being back. Right. Like, she really is afraid. And As she, she is, should be. When she, well, and she's sad. Like, she's remembering that her sister was murdered, and that, like, means something to her. And she doesn't want that to happen to Harry, and, I don't think. And she sort of twisted it, and she's, like, angry at Lily for getting killed. Yeah, which is a reaction that lots of people have in grief. Right. But in order to get away from all her complicated feelings about Lily, she's buried herself in this poisonous marriage. I know. Yeah. With a poisonous person. Vernon is the one among them that is just like a bad apple. Just like top to bottom, irredeemable, not a good person, not an okay person. No, he's really bad. He's really bad. And as the expression goes, nobody fucking uses the correct expression for this, but one bad apple ruins the bunch. So Vernon has poisoned them. Like, they're a bad family. It's sad that she couldn't, like, bring herself to, like, have a relationship with her sister. It's sad that she can't bring herself to, like, have a somewhat affectionate relationship with Harry. She's lacking a lot of, like, love in that way. Oh, do you think she understands more than Harry does that Harry needs to die and that's why she can't become attached to him? I don't know. I don't actually know how much of that, like, plot she knows. I don't remember. She might know more than... We realize. We realize. Yeah. Or she thinks that he's just gonna get killed like her sister, so she shouldn't ever become attached to this person. That makes sense. It's interesting that Dumbledore trusts her so much. I mean, sometimes he really does, like, make these pretty 
crazy but ultimately like high payoff decisions to like trust people that like he probably shouldn't. Snape being a good example. But Petunia is an interesting one for him to have developed this like pretty deep-seated trust for. Well, because he can't, there's like magic guarding the house, right? As long as he's in his relations care. Yeah, but he can't be he's hurt. trusting Petunia to like keep him. Yeah, like, well, no he's also got what. Mrs. Fig next door, like, keeping tabs. No, but just period. Like, Petunia is the reason that Harry stays at that house. Right. Vernon would have thrown him out. He trusts Petunia, essentially, to keep Harry safe. Like, she is what's standing between him and not staying safe. Yeah, I don't know why that, it, like... I mean, but he's right. Like, yeah. he makes the right call, weirdly. So, wizarding juvenile justice is bonkers. Yeah, uh, it's a two-strike system, I guess. It's not an anything system. Uh, It's a mess. Well, the reason they've been keeping such close tabs on Harry is because they, Dumbledore clearly suspects that the Ministry is going to try to bait him, or someone who wants Harry out of the picture is going to try to bait him into using magic so that he can be thrown out, because now he's a political enemy of the most powerful wizard outside of Voldemort, which is Cornelius Fudge. I would argue that Dumbledore is okay. the most powerful wizard. Politically pow- like No, Dumbledore is clearly more politically right, powerful right. than Fudge because Dumbledore gets that sentence reversed like right the fuck away. That's true, but Fudge still has a lot of power. Oh, I know. I mean, I, no, I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but I do have to say that it is insane that Dumbledore is able to just be like, no, we're not doing that. And they're like, <laughs> okay, never mind. Here's another owl. Also, Vernon hopes for the death penalty, which yeah. is so fucking dark. He's just like, does your lot have the death penalty? And Harry's like... No, we have something way worse. And We suck out... First we torture you, and then maybe we suck out your soul. And then Vernon is like, okay, well, so cool. There's still hope. <laughs> Awful. One just, like, random little quibble that I have is why is apparating so loud? Driving a car is loud. Yeah, but apparating is magic. That's just how it works. They can't, like, design that away. I know. It's just, it just seems like, I don't know, it seems really stupid to me that you have this, like, really, like, sneaky way of, like, appearing and disappearing as if from nowhere, but it makes this horrible sound, so you can't do it sneakily. Sneakiness is not the main attraction. The main attraction is that you can just teleport places. Oh. I think sneakiness is a major part of apparating. And I think it's stupid that it's loud. No, the instant transportation is the main feature. Okay, fine. I still think it's annoying that it makes, like, a gunshot sound. Here's a weird thing, though. There's clearly a distance limitation on apparating, because Newt Scamander has to take a boat to the United States in the movie Fantastic Beasts. (laughs) Well, we are way off topic, but yeah. And... Everyone has to, well, I guess young wizards have to, like, use all these different transportation methods, like underwater boats and fireplaces. Yeah, but, all of the transportation methods we see are only because underage wizards are, like, present. <laughs> Grown-ups just operate. No, there's clearly a distance. Yeah, there's a distance. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. Limit, it seems like. Unless they just wanted to put him on an old-timey boat. Yeah, probably they were just, like... What if we just have no internal consistency to this world and put him on a boat? Too bad Newt didn't take the Titanic. That's 
dark. No, he could have used his wand to plug up oh. the iceberg hole. <laughs> I thought you meant because he would have died. No, he wouldn't have died. He okay. would have saved everyone. You're right. He would have saved everyone. That's what the movie should have been about. <laughs> Newt saving the Titanic. And falling in love with Rose. I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that. So let's just talk about Mrs. Fig for a minute. You're, you're a witch. I'm a squib, as Mondongus knows full well. So how on earth was I supposed to help you fight off Dementors? He left you completely without cover when I warned him. This bloke Mondongus has been following me. Hang on. It was him. He disapparated from the front of my house. Yes, yes, yes. But luckily, I'd stationed Mr. Tibbles under a car just in case. And Mr. Tibbles came and warned me. But by the time I got to your house, you'd gone. And now, oh, what's Dumbledore going to say? You! She shrieked at Dudley, still supine on the alley floor. Get your fat bottom off the ground, quick! You know Dumbledore, said Harry, staring at her. Of course I know Dumbledore. Who doesn't know Dumbledore? But come on, I'll be no help if they come back. I've never so much as chanced figured a teabag. She's awesome. I like that she's using all these magical, like, colloquialisms or, like, expressions. Like, the cat's in the pixies now. Or, Don't uh, cry over spilt potion. Yeah. I actually think that one's really stupid. That, that one that, bugs me. That one me. sucks, but I like the cats in the, the cats in the pixies. And then she's, like, beating Mundungus Fletcher with her grocery bag, which is full of, like, cat food, which would hurt. Yeah, well, Mundungus deserves it. <laughs> why? This is, like, the eternal refrain, but, like, why is Mundungus allowed to be in charge of keeping Harry Potter safe? They're, they're on, like, they're switching it out, right? It's, like, guard duty. I know, but why is Mundungus part of the guard? He's, like, self-evidently untrustworthy. Okay, so... Dumbledore has formed this sort of, like, extra-legal paramilitary organization. Those kind of endeavors aren't always going to attract the most reputable types. Because right. it's uh, risky and outside the law. But you don't have to have every single member of your troop taking a turn at the most important duty that your troop has. Like, you could leave him out of this particular duty. Oh, there's no reason necessarily to think that he's just going to bail. I don't know. Yes, there is. Mrs. Fig knows he's going to bail. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Tibbles was keeping an eye out. Yeah. Wait, Wait, so... What's the deal with her cats? Are they, like, sort of magic? They must be, like, Crookshank's cats. Wow. Wait, so there's just, like, this kind of higher order level of cat there's like a special kind of cat somebody wrote us a letter about it and i'm trying to remember what it's called we need to dig that up and read it crookshanks is like a special animal and so is mr tibbles and so is mr tibbles amazing and now she like mrs norris are they communicating via like looks or i don't i don't I, i mean it's like it's like crookshanks it's like how crookshanks can communicate with sirius there's a, like a word for it. It's a special kind of cat Not that's a familiar, like hyper right? intelligent. No, okay. no, 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 no. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll have to find that. No, it's like a measle, maybe. I like that she's got like Mr. Tibbles on like auxiliary guard patrol. Yeah, uh, and he's a better guard than Mundungus. <laughs> Mundungus is just such a shit bird. Which I, I actually really like him. I think he's funny. Who did you compare him to? I, well, just you need. Like, rebels are sometimes, like, kind of scuzzy characters. He's sort of like uh, the 
gambler dude in uh, the new Star Wars movie. I forget what they call him. DJ? The he's got Benicio some, like, Del Toro He's got character. some dumb name, although he ends up to be like all bad. Although I think we'll see him in the next movie. I bet he's more like a Lando. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a Lando Calrissian character. Yeah. You know? Or they even pick up Han Solo at like the Moss Eisley Cantina. And you've never seen a more wretched hive of scum and villainy, you know? So like Obi-Wan's not like, let's go find the most upright citizen to help us in this extra legal <laughs> activity. No, man, you gotta go... You gotta go to the leaky cauldron or whatever and, like... Pick up some Find someone in the cauldron, like, black market. Yeah. If you want to do this kind of work. That's fair. Dumbledore knows that. You're listening to... You're not gonna get Percy. No, you're not gonna get Percy. That's fair. (laughs) You're right. You're right. No, you're making a really good point. Uh, You're also listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club that is now inexplicably about Star Wars exclusively. Uh I was a Star Wars fan long before I was a Harry Potter fan. I know. It's totally fine. And you make a very good point. (laughs) Um, All right. No, I get why Mundungus is like in the order. I just like, I'm just really annoyed at him because this is a total fucking calamity. I give it up to Mrs. Fig, who does not have magic powers. We know that squibs are really looked down on in this world. And she's still trying to like do her level best. She's holding it the fuck down over there. Like fight this war and do her like patriotic duty to her community even though she must be really lonely and really ostracized you're right i mean that is a thing dumbledore is good about is like enlisting people who like most wizards don't count as part of the wizarding world like you know the giants or not count but like who are like ostracized from yeah so she's working because she has to like three times as hard well she's one of the only people who knows Anything about what's going on, it seems like. She no, seems really well informed. She's really paying attention. Um, and has an appropriate reaction to someone endangering the life of a child, which is to beat them senseless with cat food. Uh-huh. She's like the only person in these entire series of books who has an appropriate reaction to someone endangering the life of a child. Yep. So, there Holding you go. it down, Mrs. Fig. She's even more than an unsung hero. Yeah, She's no. a straight up hero. She's a sung hero. Who is your unsung hero? Mine is Bungie the Budgie, who learns how to water ski to keep cool. I would watch that segment. I would wait till the end of the program and watch that segment. And then it's just too bad that Harry can't look this up on YouTube later because it's like 1997 or whatever. And he's a wizard and they don't have the internet. They're like, what is that? You can watch things over again? Yeah. (laughs) The Dursleys don't even have DVR, so we can just watch it later. No. Harry's he doesn't bad at care technology. that much. He doesn't think Budgie is that, or Bungie the Budgie is that important. I but. think that's impressive. That's cool. Yep. All right. Mine are, we are having all birds yes. on some hero segment because mine are the owls who just get there remarkably quickly. It's like minutes and all of a sudden owls from all over London are like, yep, here for duty. <laughs> Does Vernon drop an F-bomb about the owls? He says, I've had it with these effing owls. It's spelled out. Yeah. I think he probably says effing. Effing owls. I think that's really funny. That's like how you know that it's like an edgier book. <laughs> she like hints at the F word. She should have gone all the way. Yep. Enough oh, these, these fucking these owls. fucking owls. Um, Vernon's absolute ire at the owls is really good comic relief. Yes. He is, he's bad news but he is very funny <laughs> that is a great recurring bit it those is. pestilential birds yep 
Well, he hates them, but I love them, and they are my unsung heroes. This episode is brought to you by the Improper Use of Magic Office. Kids, keep your wands in your pockets. <laughs> the audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. They are from Jim Dale's excellent performance of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. By J.K. Rowling. That is who it's by, Indeedy Rue. Please rate review subscribe to us on apple podcasts or wherever you get podcasts we're on stitcher we're uh, we're we should be most places i think we're not on spotify because we're not that fancy no so sorry about that please also interact with us on social media if you would like to we're on facebook twitter and instagram at quibbler podcast we are out of hiatus now so we will be updating those more regularly going we're, forward we're rested and ready we are we are no longer but not tanned no we are very very pasty. incredibly pasty <laughs> Next week, we are reading the chapters called The Advanced Guard and Number 12, Grimmauld Place. So we're glad to be back. We hope you think that this is still a good podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, amigos. Well, it's no good crying over spilled potion, I suppose. But the cat's among the pixies now. Owls! bellowed Uncle Vernon. F***ing owls! The well-worn vein in his temple pulsing angrily as he slammed the kitchen window shut. Owls again? I will not have any more owls in my house.